2: Hey, everybody. Danielle here. My sound for this week's episode is a little bit off. Not you. It's me. It's technical. And uh, next week, it'll be better. Thanks.
0: And welcome to another episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. And I'm Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga.
2: <laughs> Baba Yaga. I'm Danielle. <laughs> and Baba Yaga.
0: <laughs> I go by both. So what's up, Baba? What have you been up um,
2: to? <laughs> I want to? I want to apologize for last week's episode. I listened <laughs> to it... <laughs> I listen to it. We usually just to let listeners know, like we record the episode and then we listen to it and make edits if we want to edit things or whatever. I was so hopped up on caffeine last week. It was impossible to even edit me to sound like a normal person because I just did not shut up. (laughs) I talked throughout that fucking episode.
0: I sound insane. Look, they don't know this, but we switched from recording at night to recording in the morning. Yes. And the coffee is fucking fresh. And apparently it was too fresh.
2: I thought, hey, you know what? It's morning. We're having coffee. It'll be fine. Because usually in the morning when I have coffee, I then just don't talk to anybody for hours. (laughs) And I just have keep all that energy inside Mm -hmm. to get done what I need to get done. Sure. And it just kind of fuels my day. There's no time of day where I can have coffee and we're recording. Not at night, not in the afternoon, not in the morning. I sound insane.
0: No, I actually thought it was fun. (laughs) (laughs) You (laughs) were also hopped up on (laughs) Kathy. Very true. Very true. I think it's interesting that you are apologizing and I'm not. Should I be apologizing right now? Well, because you don't sound nuts. No, I am going to disagree with you there. I definitely sound nuts (laughs) all the time, 24 hours a day. Hot
2: bands was something else. (laughs) Hot bands came from just the depths.
0: But here's the thing about the hot bands. And here's the thing about the goblin, the whole thing. I probably would have remembered that it was called a sleeve, (laughs) but I was so jacked that my brain was just racing and I couldn't like really think of the term. And I just said hot band, you know, maybe that's what happened.
2: It was glorious. I loved everything that happened in the beginning of the episode. And, but then once we started talking about movies, I was like, Danielle, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up, Danielle. How about maybe now is when you don't talk.
0: It's not even your movie. Don't talk. <laughs> Look, I could I could barely remember the movies that we did because <laughs> all, I, all I remember is that we covered a lot of topics in that intro. We covered a
2: lot of ground. You know what? Nate, now that you say that, maybe we should only drink coffee when we record and just see what happens. let will just roll the dice every week.
0: Look, you know that we're fans of reverse psychology on this podcast because you're always like, I want you to move in with me, so do the thing that will cause you to be in financial ruin so you will have to move here, right? So it's the reverse psychology of things, right? So maybe that's it. Maybe. Is if we reverse the thing and say, actually, let's start doing coke. Like, let's just start doing coke.
2: (laughs) Hallucinogenics. Let's just start every episode... Drop an acid
0: and just see what happens, man. I personally think that we are as close to being on cocaine as we probably ever have been. Totally. Because I've upped I've upped my dosage over the years, have you? Oh,
2: completely.
0: Yeah. Completely. I
2: could comfortably drink coffee all day long now. Yeah. Whereas when I started, I'm like, oh, like one little teacup of coffee is enough. I could drink coffee from like the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, but it has such Disastrously negative impact on my life if I do that. Yeah, because I can't sleep. My mind is racing all day. <laughs> I talk nonstop. Like I'm just, I'm ruining friendships out here. I'm like, I cannot. <laughs> I can't do it. But I, I could. I have the fortitude to do it. But I know that I shouldn't. Yeah. But I have up to that coffee dosage so much. And then you hear people like, has this ever happened to you? Where you have a friend who's just like. I've given up coffee like I only do caffeine pills now. What? Yeah, I've had like like three people say that to me in the last year where they're like, I had to wean myself off of coffee, so I started doing caffeine pills. And I'm like, why not just have the coffee? (laughs) What?
0: Caffeine pills? Yes. Like Jesse Spano from Saved by the Bell style?
2: Yes, girl. No one has learned that lesson.
0: Okay. Caffeine pills are a no for me, dog. Here's why. The taste of coffee is delicious. Thank you. The ritual of drinking coffee is delicious. There's a whole culture around it. A caffeine pill is so like 80s aerobics instructor. Like, no. We like to savor yeah. the coffee taste, right? Why, are we, why would we replace that with a pill?
2: I love the ritual. I love the taste. I'm not getting the right dosage on a caffeine pill. Yeah. How many caffeine pills do you have to take for you? like that's the spot where I'm like productive but not over the top. Like I can't, I don't have that kind of time to do that kind of science.
0: No, truly do cocaine at that moment. Okay. That's (laughs) what I'm saying. Who even makes caffeine pills? Are you talking about like trucker speed? Are you talking about like packets of stuff you get at the gas station? I haven't looked into it because
2: I personally would never do it. (laughs) I think it's like a bottle of vitamin style pills, but they're caffeine.
0: Wow. Okay. Cause I'm like Who makes caffeine pills? Is it like Advil or like, you know, whoever? Like, is it like a a company? Can I just say that I absolutely love that your
2: mind instantly went to, is this some trucker packet (laughs) caffeine pill shit? You instantly went to illegal off-market drugs, and I love it.
0: Listen, I guess I'm from the South, and that's where my mind went, is trucker speed. (laughs) But now I'm thinking, like, who would ma- who makes a prescription or an over-the-counter caffeine pill? Never want to find out because we love coffee and it's
2: fine. Yeah. I never want to find out. I've just taken so much out of my life that I'm unwilling to take coffee out of my life.
0: I know that there will be a day when, like, someone, <laughs> a doctor perhaps, will tell me to stop drinking so much coffee. And in fact, they probably have done it already and I've ignored their advice. <laughs> I could never not drink it. I would rather drink decaf than not drink coffee at all or take a caffeine pill, which (laughs) is so weird. And I'm sorry to your friends who I'm slightly making fun of right now for taking a caffeine pill instead of drinking coffee or doing cocaine. (laughs) I
2: just love the advice of like, I'm from the South, just do cocaine.
0: Listen, I'm not really saying you should do cocaine instead of doing caffeine pills. I mean, do whatever you want. Okay, do whatever you want. Just, just be smart about it. But I'm just saying that, like, caffeine pills in lieu of coffee is so weird to me.
2: I know. And there are legit reasons. Some people have legit reasons. Of the people who have told me they have done this switch, three people have told me, all of them LA-based, that they have switched to caffeine pills. So there's something going on in the water, for sure. Of those three, only one of them, my friend Dan, makes sense to me where he was doing like an overall health change and got like major headaches when he stopped drinking coffee. Okay. So he used it as a way to wean himself off of coffee. The other two were just like a straight up replacement. And that's when the Baba Yaga came out. And I was like, what are you doing?
0: (laughs) Well, look, far be it for me to begrudge anybody of their supplements,
2: right? (laughs) I will begrudge. I will begrudge your supplements. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm just so pro coffee. Yeah. That I'm like, I mean, I understand people not drinking it at all.
2: Yeah, I do too. I
0: even understand people that do the thing where it's like, I'm switching to tea. Wonderful. We, we love it. I drink
2: tea. Any caffeine. Any caffeine is fine with me. <laughs> tea, Diet Coke. I don't care. Give it to me.
0: The only thing I don't drink is Red Bull. You don't drink yeah, Red Bull. Yeah, I can't fuck with
2: that. But that that's like a whole other level.
0: Yeah. When it comes to like the sport drink, stuff that looks like Dymatap type stuff, I can't do that. I'm a old school dragon breath ass fucking (laughs) coffee drinker. Well, speaking of dragon breath, part of the reason
2: I can't do those energy drinks, like I have, as you know, a lot of people in my house right now working and they leave these cans of stuff all over the place. Those cans smell so bad (laughs) that I truly can't imagine putting that liquid in my body. They smell like rancid toes.
0: Also, okay, this is... <laughs> we may be going down a road here. Can we talk about the design of those types of drinks? It's awful. It is not attractive design.
2: No, it's like green and orange with a big old claw mark through it. Yes. Everything looks like like it's going to rip you the fuck up from the inside out. And I'm like, why am I putting that in my box? If coffee was marketed that way, I wouldn't drink coffee.
0: Yeah, it's like the design elements from like t2 judgment day yes you know so it's like robotic but also predatory animals mixed in there the design is like something bursting through the can so like a claw or like a punch or like a robot's (laughs) fucking fist or like an excavator or something so it's like It's very aggressive to me. Well, it's
2: basically like the people who used to design Trapper Keepers now design energy drink cans. (laughs) They just moved it over without changing any of the designs.
0: Look, it's not even Lisa Frank shit, though. No. It's not even like busy repeating elements. It's not even that. It's just truly like a psycho is locked inside of this can and (laughs) when you open it, it explodes out of the can and... It'll hit you in the fucking face. There's always like a
2: camouflage element to the can. Yeah. Like we're going to be subversive about the fact that this is going to fucking punch your guts up.
0: Look, I got to I got to tell you, I see this type of design a lot within the gym world, if you will. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing. So everybody knows that we have a deadlift Sonny Corleone challenge going on at I Saw What You Did, meaning I'm working towards deadlifting Sonny Corleone. Danielle will not be. She'll just be picking up her cat.
2: <laughs> Look, I'm working towards it. I'm just not going to be able to lift as much of him. I'm working towards the equity. I'm working towards 50-50. But it might just be the legs right now. We don't know. I got a 10-pound kettlebell. I used it and It hurt. I put it down. And you're out here doing like, like well, I'm, I'm already deadlifting 150 pounds. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to try to get there by the end of the year but you're so advanced at weightlifting that you might be doing the bulk of the work, but I'm going to try.
0: Last episode or a couple episodes ago, you were basically like, I will watch and I will secure the excavator that will be helping Sonny Corleone down from the overhead press. There was a whole plan in in place. I'm going to cradle his head
2: and like look down at him and just be like, it's okay. Like That'll be my role is to calm him down while you're lifting his entire body up.
0: So somebody sent me a message to tell me that they found James Caan's actual weight on the internet. (laughs) I was shocked that that information was available, but now I can actually visualize the goal. I'm like, okay, I'm actually kind of close. Not going to lie. What? Oh yeah. I'm close. Dude, we've been doing this for three months. How are you close? We have a, okay. I'm still taking the whole year. Yeah. I'm close. I'm close, baby. But here, here's the problem with this whole endeavor too, okay? This is something that I forgot in the two fucking years that we've done nothing in, in the <laughs> world. Like we were like under fucking quarantine. I forgot that you have to eat a shit ton of food when you work out. Yeah. And more specifically, you have to eat a lot of protein. Okay? <laughs> like I said before, with the energy drinks, there's a lot of, like, protein supplement, protein shake bar powders that have a very similar design right. to energy drinks, where it looks like like they're hammering a steel door. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. And it's like, that's the protein power that you need to do a fucking workout, right? So... I was actually talking to the woman who is the head of the class, you know, basically the trainer who comes in and helps our women's barbell class to like do our workouts. And I was like, you know, I feel like I'm I'm feeling a little tired towards the end of the day. And I don't know, I want to make sure that I'm eating enough. And then she was basically like you got to basically start counting your macros, which blah, blah, blah. It's boring. I mean, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> counting macros, look it up. It's bro stuff. But anyway, so I had to start counting macros and I realized that I was really like under eating protein every day. And I was like, fuck, I got to buy these stupid fucking supplements, right? Because what? how else am I going to do this? With food. Correct. So I have bought a packet of, of protein powder in the vanilla ice cream flavor. It's sitting on my counter because I'm like, I truly don't want to fucking put this in anything. This is gross. I don't want to eat this shit.
2: This is my question. Like why go immediately to, this is what you get from hanging out in a gym. You go immediately to the like Dr. Claw holding, like strangling a fucking chicken packet. You know, this is what I need is some of this powder. Like just eat beans.
0: Listen, (laughs) this is what I'm talking about. I'm trying the au naturel way, which is that I'm literally just shoving entire grilled chicken breasts in my mouth. (coughs) It's this thing where you have to strategically fucking add more protein because it's like, think about a day. Think about a meal, right? You're like, okay, well, I'm eating like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But the amount of protein that apparently I need to be like deadlifting Sonny Corleone is a lot more. It's like almost double than what I'd normally eat. So that invariably means that I have to add like an actual extra chicken breast to like a, a meal. Like I have to add <laughs> copious amounts of, of extra protein, which means I'm eating, I'm one of these people that's eating like fucking four chicken breasts a day. <laughs> and today, right before we started this podcast, I was literally Driving around, I just came from class, okay? I had an entire grilled chicken breast that had put in a Ziploc bag, and I pulled it out of a Ziploc bag, and I was eating it with my bare fucking hands while I was driving. (laughs) Like, I'm I'm sitting there driving through town, one arm on the steering wheel, and a giant chicken breast just eating it like it was a patty, like a patty with no bread, no sauce, nothing. Just your bare hand in the grill.
2: Now... I don't know much about food prep. I've had to take some classes when I worked in restaurants, but it's cooked, so it's probably not as bad. Should you be leaving chicken in plastic bags just hanging out in your car? Look. For any amount of time, should you be doing that? And then, I mean, like the eating it with the bare hands, we're going to get there. First, I just want to say, as someone who is now just pounding chicken at any point in the day, do you have to buy a little cooler or like a little lunch bag or something for it?
0: See, this is what I mean. It's like a fucking, it's now it's like a world because I will say I only had the chicken out for an hour. Right. And it's about 40 something degrees here right now. So it was like, you know, okay, maybe not complete salmonella poisoning. Right. However, I didn't have time to cut it up or anything. It was literally just a a cooked chicken breast that had been sitting in a refrigerator. I pulled it out, put a fucking in a Ziploc bag, waited an hour until my class was over and then just, just this, palm in it just palm in the fucking whole chicken breast and this is like the only way that's not a meal that's not a fucking meal that's literally just like i have to pound this chicken breast because i won't be able to turn on the microphone for my fucking podcast i won't have enough energy
2: this is just the supplement to get you to the the natural supplement to get you to the energy that you need to just exist every day
0: correct and i'm just like (laughs) well if i'm not gonna be able to hold my head up unless i pound like 25 hot dogs today, then maybe I should look into this stupid powder. And but I don't want to drink the powder because it's gross. And like, I don't know. People, I know you guys got recipes and shit. Y'all are gonna send me all this stuff that's like, oh, but you can make like an overnight oats and put the thing. Okay, blah 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 blah. Thank you in advance. But I've tried it and it's gross. It's always gross when you have to put fake. Flavored. Exactly. Shit. And you know what I mean? It's gross to me. That's just me. I'm with you. I, I would go.
2: Why do you think I instantly went to beans? Because I'm like, I can't do a fake protein. Yeah comfortably. I've never found one that's like, this tastes delicious. You can trick yourself and power through some really gross food. Yeah. But if you want to lift all 166 pounds of Sunny Corleone, you need that consistently. And if it's gross, I don't want to spend half of my day choking down stuff that's disgusting. I just want to lift up Jimmy Kahn in December.
0: <laughs> I have an entire pack of muscle milk in my refrigerator oh, right
2: now. Oh, the name of that disgusts me out.
0: Disgusting name, worst name in the entire fucking planet. Ugh. It's sitting there because I'm just like, I don't know. Y'all can make this taste like coffee. You can make it taste like delicious coffee with a little bit of half and half, and I would love it theoretically. Ugh. No, but once you actually consume it, I'm like, it tastes like chalky chocolate. It's chalk chocolate,
2: and it's called Muscle Milk. How dare you, Muscle wow. Milk? Absolutely fucking how dare you come in my house and call something muscle milk the fuck out of here with that you kidding me (laughs) have you fucking that's like i'm calling the hague (laughs) like i'm escalating this immediately get the un on the phone
0: fucking word crimes i can't disgusting (laughs) muscle
2: milk It's almost like, remember when I was trying to quit putting sugar in my coffee and you tried to get me on those nut pods? We've already (laughs) talked about this on the podcast. You got to go back in the archives. (laughs) Nut pods and muscle milk. Get the fuck out of here, people. (laughs) Some nut pods in there. You can get off of milk. with some nut pods. Who is out here naming shit? We want a list.
0: We want a list of folks.
2: People who are trying to do milk alternatives have lost their fucking minds. (laughs) They are so malnourished (laughs) that they're like, look, we're going to call this one nut pods. (laughs) We're going to build a whole company around it. And I know you're going to email me and tell me they're delicious. I do not fucking care. I don't care. I'm not trying a nut pod and I'm not trying a muscle milk. (laughs)
0: Listen, I got to tell you. It feels like we have just as much caffeine flowing through our veins right now that we did last last episode.
2: Seriously, I'm realizing it's not the caffeine. It's just <laughs> us. It's just us. So let's three cheers, go get some coffee and kick this shit off.
0: <laughs> we need this energy because this episode is going to be fucking insane. I can already say it right now. <laughs> We have the funniest episode, to me personally, that we've had in a very long time.
2: I'm going to agree with you there. I think that we have been having fun with this episode since we decided on the theme. (laughs) Months ago. Yes. We've been really looking forward to this for a very long time. Now, do you want to tell
0: them what the theme is? The theme of this episode, which I have to say was penned by Danielle Henderson, is called Get Out of My Arms.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Also known as your typical age change movie.
0: So, yeah, usually for New Year's, we do an episode about it's called New Year, New Me. And it talks about, you know, like body change movies. And last year we did Seconds and The Fly. And we didn't have a New Year's episode this year because we were on hiatus. So we were like, well, we still want to do this theme somehow because we, we wanted to do the movies really badly. So we were like, well, how do we do this? Or like, let's just do it, you know? And then I'm like, well, what do we call it if we're not calling it New Year, New Me? And Danielle pipes up. And just says, get out of my
2: arms. (laughs) That's what I think about every time I watch one of these movies, like get out of my, get out of me, get out of my body.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to also say, this is so crazy. I actually did not know this. I mean, people are probably going to be like, duh, why didn't she figure this out? I actually didn't realize that in both of our films, the person, the child that is beginning at the film, the, the child in the beginning of each of our films is the same age. Yeah and they go forward in time to the same exact age almost, right? We think.
2: I don't know I don't know exactly how old my person is, but I think it's the same age. I think they are they are parallel worlds.
0: Okay. Well, in that case, I want to ask you, I think about the young versions, right? Because right. so both of these movies are obviously dealing with people who are in middle school, yeah. 13 years old middle school who want to be older. For some reason. Right. Right. I kind of just want to ask you in general, what were you like at 13? What were you like in middle school?
2: Let's just say that if there were an age change movie where I jumped ahead in time, but still had the mentality and the affect of myself at 13, it would just be a movie about a clinically depressed adult who just wouldn't get out of bed (laughs) (laughs) and hated everyone and everything. Thankfully, I will say this about my my teen self. I never went through a period of acne like that, just wasn't my my issue. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people struggle with that when they're kids. I was just awkward looking in general. So my teeth were too big for my head. My grandma was still doing my hair Mm -hmm. and she insisted on using like those pink rollers. And like she was trying to keep me young for as long as possible. And she kept telling me that, like, like play with your dolls and do things like stay a kid for as long as you can. But then I was also in like this teen world of like, I like boys, but none of them want to talk to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm a foot taller than everyone else. (laughs) Mm -hmm. A A literal foot taller than everyone else.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And it was just, I was an awkward, geeky kid. And so the mentality of that kid would just be like not adjusting well to suddenly showing up in somebody else's arms. (laughs) I'd be like, what's all this about?
0: (laughs) So did you ever have like a fantasy like this where you ever like, God, I can't wait to be 30. Like it's gonna be so fun to be 35 and blah, blah, blah.
2: It was never like tied to a specific age. It was for me mostly just like, I can't wait to graduate high school and get the fuck out of here. That's true. But beyond that, there was no plan. It wasn't like, and then I'll be doing this job. And then it was just like, no, the goal is to get the fuck out. Yeah. Get the fuck out. There was no plan beyond that. So I couldn't think of it in terms of like ages because for some reason for me, age didn't correlate with like an actual status in life.
0: Right, right. What about you? I definitely wanted to be... 35. (laughs) (laughs) 35, 36. When I was in middle school, I was I was kind of a jock, weirdly enough. Like, I mean, I know we just talked about weightlifting, but I played sports like I was definitely into softball and I played tennis. At that moment, I think I was really trying hard to be sort of like everybody else, because that's what I always say about middle school that I think is a lot different than high school for me. In middle school, I was fully like, pretending to be like a rich white person like everybody else (laughs) from my community like I just was not really kind of aware of (laughs) who I was I think I just had like a lot of like there's always that pressure I think in middle school because you're just so afraid to be picked on because middle school teasing is like the fucking worst out of all of the all of the schools it's the worst I'd rather be bullied in high school than been bullied in middle school and at that point I was just sort of like yeah i want to just be like all the other girls in my middle school and i also want to be older like i wanted to be like again melanie griffith in working girl i wanted to have (laughs) a job i wanted to watch attitudes on lifetime and just know it was for me as opposed to it being for like people you know twice my age i was so into it so when i saw both these movies there was a moment where I was like, duh, who wouldn't want this? But then I also realized (laughs) that like, there's so many people that loved middle school and never wanted to leave it. So I'm just curious. That's all. But
2: we were not those people. We were not those people. Yeah. And I, I, what I'm curious about with you too, is like, did, did being older, like you definitely, because of movies and because of the lives that we led and we were always a little bit older than our years anyway. So it doesn't surprise me that like you thought about the affects of having being older, did you think about like what your job was going to be or who your friends were going to be? Or was it literally just like, I want to sit around and watch attitudes (laughs) and wear my sneakers to the office. I don't care what my job is. I just want to like do the stuff I'm seeing.
0: Yeah, I think I thought I was just going to literally work in a dentist's office, like processing paperwork, <laughs> or I was just going to be somebody that worked in an office filing things and typing things, like a, a secretary, but, you know, somebody like that worked in insurance, like some kind of office job. Like I, I love it. I just wanted, I was so informed by that archetype in 80s movies, just about like the- I we've talked about it before. There's a whole damn episode about it. But it's that thing of like, I wanted to wear business clothes and easy spirit sneakers with my nude pantyhose and just be a full on adult. So
2: I feel it. I think that's why these movies are, are so they're always popular when they come out. And they are like just perennial. Like There's always going to be one of these movies for every generation.
0: Oh, completely. And it's interesting, too, because with your movie, your it's almost like my movie is supposed to have taken place at the time that your movie actually takes place. Does that make sense? Yes. Like my movie was like the daughter of your film or something. It's crazy. Aww. Yeah. Your movie was in 87 and at the beginning of my movie, it's 1987 or supposed to have been 1987. So yeah, crazy. Like I said, I'm sure somebody else figured that out much quickly than I did, but I was like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> well, let's get into them. psyched to talk about them. Me too. I guess I'm going first this week, huh? You are. Okay, cool. Well, look, my film for the theme of Get Out of My Arms is a movie from 2004. It was written by Josh Goldsmith and Kathy Yuspa and directed by Gary Winnick. It's called 13 Going on 30. Matt, it's me.
2: Jenna, why are you here?
0: Yesterday was my 13th birthday, and today I woke up and I'm this something really weird going on. Well, 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 guess what we got? Here's a movie from the 2000s I've actually seen. Mark the date. I know I joke about never seeing new movies, but honestly, I did see this one a lot. Look, some of my closest friends don't even know this about me, but I have seen this movie an alarming number of times. (laughs) It's definitely in the double digits.
2: Is it because it's always on or because you intentionally watch it?
0: Yes, no, it's because it's always on. Because, look, I mean, this is one of those movies that is just on TV so much. I mean, it plays a lot. And when it comes down to it, this is a type of movie is very easy for me to watch this movie, okay? Yeah. There are parts of this movie where I'm definitely, like, hating what is happening, but it's never enough hate that makes me want to, like, turn it off. Does that make sense? Yeah,
2: I get you. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable.
0: Exactly. But then there's parts of this movie that I actually really like and I think are really funny. So it's, that, it's like that kind of middle-of-the-road movie for me. Very easy to watch. And whoever created the idea to play a movie that's not like this fucking masterpiece, but it isn't like the worst thing we've ever seen. Like whoever decided to play those movies all day and night is like a genius, right?
2: Middle-of-the-road. You don't have to watch it from the beginning. You don't have to see the end. You can just watch whatever chunk of time you want. Yes, there's not a film creator alive who wants their movie to be viewed that way or thought of that way. No way. But so many people make movies. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking 29 Dresses. I'm thinking <laughs> Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. Like you can just drop in and watch it.
0: Yeah, that is what I was about to say too, is that when I rewatched this movie, you know, I was like, I'm not sure if I've ever seen this movie in its like theatrical, unedited form. Like I think I've only <laughs> seen it on TV. Is that not weird? And then like I was like, oh my god, the opening credits. I'm watching the opening credits. This is pretty great. Like the whole world. That's a testament to how many times I've seen this movie on TV. However, let me just put forth a one-sentence synopsis right now. A young girl hates middle school so fucking much that somehow she dissociates for weeks on end, believing that she is a fully grown adult. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. So like I said before, it's 1987. Jenna Rink is 13 years old. She's adorable. She loves Rick Springfield and Madonna. She loves reading this fashion magazine named Poise. She has this best friend named Maddie who lives next door. Maddie is into photography and punk rock. Everything seems to be going great, okay? Except there's this group of popular girls at their school. I don't even know how to begin with this. They're called the Six Chicks. The most amazing part of this
2: movie is how she wants to be one, and that is always like, you can't have seven Six Chicks.
0: Yes. And also, too, they know themselves as the Six Chicks, meaning they had probably a hand in calling themselves that. And I'm just going to tell you right now, people who are popular that name themselves as a group can go to hell.
2: Those are the people that grow up to... I mean, I'm going to say something horrible right now, but they grow up to, like, run people over at protests in Virginia. The six chicks are not, like, your cool neighborhood moms right now.
0: (laughs) I think I just have such a distaste for that kind of like clicky in-group shit especially when it comes to like popular or hot people because it's this whole it's this othering that there's they're self-othering they're being like well we're so hot and popular that we have to call ourselves something so that everybody knows we're like the fucking thing and i'm like oh that is so like what kind of personality right fucking is that and how come i hate them so much (laughs) But it's also why movies like Heather's are
2: so brilliant because they turn that on its head, where it's like, yeah, we're all called Heather except for Veronica, yeah. so we're not naming ourselves; we just so happen to be all named Heather, yeah. and it's like it kind of takes that and exposes the absurdity of naming your group exactly. for any reason in school.
0: Yeah, well, I hate the six chicks. I'm gonna just throw that out there. <laughs> Fuck them. I don't care if they're 13. Fuck them. I hate their side ponies. <laughs> hate them. I don't care if Ashley Benson and Brie Larson were six chicks in this film, by the way. I didn't know, I didn't actually know this until I researched the film, but they were a couple of little six chicks in this movie. And I'm like, I don't care if they're popular. <laughs> Captain Marvel, fuck it. You were a six chick. Go to hell. Forever or just with the movie? <laughs> well, you know, just in the context of this universe. Yes. But I hate them because. They call Matt Beaver, which really annoys the shit out of me, and then they also like make Jenna do all their homework, yeah, and group projects, which is like the worst as we
2: get more into discussing the movie i will I will explain this more. I don't like Jenna, ooh, I don't like people who, at that age, are so desperate to be part of the group that they denigrate themselves
0: yes i uh, look we're going to talk about her choices and her sort of evolution, yeah. And I'm puzzled because I think this movie is doing something really interesting in the fantasy element part of it. But it's it's also like, yeah, it's really hard to watch the beginning of this movie because that's the thing is that Jenna's great and Maddie's awesome. Like Maddie yeah. is one of us, let's get serious. And I'm kind of like, what made you want to be those girls so badly and what made you want to do all this crazy shit?
2: Exactly. I mean,
0: I I certainly felt the pressure of middle school. I mean, I just told you I wanted to be rich and white and into country music. That's <laughs> my, That was what I wanted in eighth grade. But would I have done that... I don't know.
2: Right. Would you have done homework?
0: Yeah. Or would I have just sort of like put my friends completely out to pasture and told them to fuck off and just so I got a shot at being in this group? I don't think so. But- so it's interesting, but um, here's the thing. So like the blonde leader of the group is Lucy, who is eventually played by Judy Greer. But the girl that played her looks exactly like the older Judy Greer. So that's kind of amazing.
2: Oh, such good casting.
0: But Jenna is very much wants to be part of this crew. So Jenna has this birthday party in her parents' basement and the six chicks decide to show up with this big hunky jock crush from their school named Chris Grandy. And Jenna has a big crush on him. And basically these little bitches show up to this party essentially to hoodwink Jenna into doing more of their schoolwork. They
2: come to pick up the schoolwork but not do the party part.
0: Exactly. And they show up right as Matt is downstairs cranking some fucking talking heads. (laughs) And he is rocking out and having a fucking great time to a great jam, and the party suddenly tanks because all these popular kids are like, what? Talking Heads is weird. But basically, Matt gives this birthday present to Jenna because when it comes down to it, let's get serious, Matt's in love with Jenna. How could you not be? He makes her this giant homemade dollhouse. He made, like, cutouts of the two of them in it. It's so cute, right?
2: And Rick Springfield on the couch.
0: Yes, I mean... (laughs) She loves Rick Springfield, as I, as I said before. And it's, it's like, he's just like, he's so loving and so wants to give her this like really personal, beautiful, handmade gift, okay? Yeah. So for whatever reason, these kids decided to play Seven Minutes in Heaven. Which,
2: Seven Minutes in Heaven is a hate crime. <laughs> I hope kids aren't playing that game anymore. <laughs> seven Minutes in Heaven is a fucking sex crime. It's a hate crime, I can't.
0: I always thought it was like, why is it called Heaven? It's so not Heaven. I've played it. I've played seven minutes in heaven.
2: I never played it. Once. Maybe that's why I'm so upset about it.
0: No, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, I played it. I got a smooch and I still didn't think it was heaven.
2: <laughs> I think it's weird. Wait, so you got a smooch and then you just had to sit in a closet with someone for like seven minutes?
0: No, I mean, what, I feel like once the smooch happens, the time it goes out the window. I think like the time <laughs> requirement is like only to serve the purpose of getting a smooch. And once the smooch happens, it's like, fuck it. Y'all could just leave. Cut time early.
2: This is fascinating. The reason I don't like it in this movie is because fucking Lucy, one of the six chicks, leads Jenna into this closet and says that this fucking dude that she's, this grandy dude that she has a crush on is going to do whatever he wants Mm. for seven minutes. Like, that's how she sets it up. It's like, you go in this closet and then he's going to do whatever he wants to for seven minutes. And I'm like, this must be stopped. This game again, much like Muscle Milk, needs to be investigated by the hate.
0: (laughs) Totally true. Chris Grandy is not the one. No. And what ends up happening is it's all a fucking trick to make her feel bad because he doesn't go into the closet. In fact, they fucking leave when she's in the closet because she's blindfolded. And to add insult to injury, they steal her fucking party food. Mm Mm-mm. Which is why I don't feel bad about calling them bitches because they stole that cheese ball or whatever the fuck the mom prepared for this birthday party. They stole the food. At the same time, Matt comes downstairs and, you know, the situation is like, Jenna thinks it's Chris Grandy. Matt thinks it's Jenna wanting to hang out with him in the closet for seven minutes. And so he goes in there thinking, oh, maybe she wants to smooch from me. Well, she ends up taking her blindfold off, sees that it's Matt and is like... Get the fuck out of here! I hate you. Okay, which really hurts my feelings. Like when I saw it again, I know every time I see it. But most, like especially this this time, I was like, "Damn, that's fucking shitty." Like he feels like shit right now, and he made you this damn dollhouse, and you're just like,
2: "She was acting like a straight bitch." <laughs> she was also heartbroken, but I feel like they did a good job of of exemplifying both. Like both of these kids were heartbroken for different reasons. But I don't know, man, I just, I feel for Maddie so much. And I just don't want, like, I just don't like that she's so cavalier about casting him aside. And I mean, maybe it's because when I was in middle school or when I was around that age, I always wished I had like a guy friend who had a crush on me Mm. and that never happened. Yeah. Never happened.
0: Yeah, I had tons of guy friends they never had crushes on me. (laughs) But here's the thing. Okay, this part's a little clunky, I gotta admit. So at a certain point, with the handover of the dollhouse, okay? So let me set the scene. Actually, you know the scene. Jenna's in the fucking closet and she's like fucking wishing to God she was 30, flirty, and thriving. Yes. And this is something that she gleamed off of one of her Poise magazines. But she wants to be 30, flirty, and thriving, okay? Now, when Matt did the whole dollhouse handoff, there was some kind of wishing powder that he brought Yes. that- was sprinkled somewhere. Like I said, this is a little clunky for me. What happened is apparently some of the powder residue, something got on her or she inhaled it. I, I kind of don't really know. She huffs it. It's in the atmosphere. It gets
2: it gets on her when she's like she's like rocking against the shelf and it falls down on her.
0: Yeah. So okay. Maybe it it, it sprinkles on top of her head. Yeah. Maybe she inhales the the fine particles of this powder. <laughs> And this powder is essentially what creates the rest of the film, which is that she wakes up the next morning and she is 30, flirty, thriving in the body of Jennifer Gardner. (laughs) Here's where I said to myself, have I ever seen Jennifer Gardner in anything but this movie? I had to stop. (laughs) You've never watched um, Alias? Never saw Alias. I literally stopped the movie, went to her IMDb. I think I saw Dallas Buyers Club, but I barely remember her in it. I know I saw Juno and I remember she was in it, but I just don't remember like enough of what she did in that movie. So that's it. Those are the two movies that I've seen of hers and I barely remember her. So essentially, I don't know any of her work. This is your only interaction with Jennifer Garner. <laughs> and I know everybody's out there being like, alias, what the fuck, Michael Vartan? You're <laughs> crazy. But I never saw it.
2: I never watched it when it was like on primetime. I watched, I caught up with it years later.
0: Yeah. No, I hear it's fantastic. I just never saw it. And so I'm like, I only know her from this movie. Is that fucked up? (laughs) And her marriage to Ben Affleck and her kids? Not even that? Let's be serious. Of course I know that. I've also seen her on Instagram stories cooking. (laughs) Somebody's retweeted those things. Uh, But that's it. And you know what? There's a moment where I'm like, I should just keep it like this. That's kind of tight. <laughs> Because I actually think she's great in this movie. She's really funny. Yeah. And seeing her act, 13, is really funny to me. Yeah. Like, her facial expressions and her body language. And then there's, like, a few parts. This actually cracks me the fuck up, and I know no one else will think this is as funny as I do, but I'm saying it anyway. It's kind of towards the beginning when she's first, like, get out of my arms, where she calls her parents, right? So she's, like, she wakes up. She's 30. She's, like, looking in the mirror and screaming. She doesn't know who she is. And then she immediately calls her mom and dad. (laughs) And- Their answering machine goes off and says, hey, guys, like, we're not here right now. We're on a cruise, which I was like, don't tell people we're on a cruise on an answering machine. Thank you. Come on. We all know this. But also, she basically hangs up the phone and is like, you went on a cruise without me? (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought. So cute. That is, like, literally what I would have thought. If I was 13, I'd have been like, my parents went on a cruise without me. This is fucking crazy. But. Yeah, I mean, basically, she's 13 years old. She's in a 30-year-old person's body. She's trying to figure out who she is very quickly. She finds out that she's rich, that she's dating a famous hockey player, that she is the editor of her favorite fashion magazine, Poise. She's best friends and co-workers with Lucy, fucking leader of the six chicks, and also finds out that she hates her parents. Everyone at work thinks that she's a fucking bitch. And she is no longer friends with Matt.
2: There is a lot about this, this movie that I think is wonderful and is like from the age change perspective and like that canon of movies, I think is just so funny and cute and unique. And I like I do like this movie. I've, seen, I've only seen it a couple of times. I haven't seen it as many times as you've seen it, but I, I do like this movie. And one of the things I really like about it is that as the movie goes on, it doesn't do that thing where it's like being an adult is great. It's like she is realizing slowly that she has become an awful person. Yeah. And that is different. That is very different for this age change movie. It's like you're 13 and you realize you have become someone that you don't recognize, that you wouldn't want to be.
0: Yeah, because essentially the birthday party basement thing is the flashpoint moment for her, where it could have gone in a different direction, right?
2: Yeah, that's her sliding doors.
0: Exactly. So basically... Now, she's gotten everything she's ever wanted, but now is finding out that she's a monster, okay? So she immediately is like, I got to find Matt. She looks him up. He's essentially hottie-ass Mark Ruffalo in a CBGB shirt, okay? Now, the craziest part to me is that—so I had a male best friend in high school— who was also in a punk rock, and I still talk to him. So it's this weird thing where I was just like, "Damn! Like she really fucking ditched his ass." Like apparently the story goes, she never talked to him. Yeah. Pretty much after that party, like they kind of split ways. She became the seventh chick in the six chicks. She became their leader at one point, and then he just like left, was out the fucking door. Yeah. Which seems so severe. But then I think it also is that thing that you mentioned earlier, which is that, man, she was really in a state. She just, like, did not want to be who she was. She wanted to be something else. And that's the kind of thing that,
2: again, I really, like, like and appreciate about this movie is that that is exactly how it happens sometimes when you're 13, is there's no big lead up. There's no, like, slow roll into, like, fading away. Like, some friendships just fade away with time. But a lot of times you will get in a fight with someone in middle school, and that's it. Yeah. You're not friends anymore, <laughs> like ever again. <laughs> like that is how it goes, and it's sad. Yeah. And I think what's sad about it too, for for this movie, or what I you know again appreciate from a script writing perspective, is that it's definitely a flashpoint moment for her. Like he said, but it's sad to watch someone not realize how devastating these consequences are going to be in their life. Yeah, Like, just because of that one moment of being angry or upset, she's going to ditch her best friend. She's going to side with the worst people. She's going to become the worst person. Like, it's just those quick little flashes that happen when you're a kid and you're not in control of your emotions and your hormones and shit. You pop off sometimes. Yeah, But it really can be very destructive. So I like that this movie kind of shows you that side of things where it's not like, I've got the same best friend and everything's cool. (laughs) It's like, no, like I was a dick. Yeah. I was worse off because of it.
0: Yeah. It really hit me this time too. And I think it's just because I'm older now, but like she cut her parents off. And that whole thing where she tries to reconcile with her mom and dad, like she basically goes back to her old house, which is crazy to me too, because I don't have a childhood home. Like we moved so much that I'm like, yeah, me either. I don't have like my old bedroom. (laughs) My old bedroom. Doesn't exist. I sleep in my parents' guest bedroom when I when I visit them. But she goes back to her old house and her parents are like, What are you doing here? And she's kind of like crawling in bed with them. And it was just that moment of like, man, she really like fucking went for it. Like she just really hated herself. Yeah. You know, and she did a lot of damage to all these really good relationships in her life. Here's the other thing. There's a couple of other points I want to make about this movie. One of them is that this movie has some of the worst clothes I've ever seen in my entire life.
2: Oh, completely. The early 2000s were doing no favors for anybody.
0: My God. Jennifer Gardner is a beautiful woman, okay? But they did her dirty in this film with these outfits, okay? That party
2: dress can go fucking sale.
0: She's wearing pink, like, on the regs. Like, I get it, it's part It's part of the character, it's part of the rom-com universe. She's wearing so much pink. There's one moment where she's wearing this like pink frayed cardigan that I thought was supposed to be like a duster, but it was actually just a cardigan. And I was like, God damn, that's awful.
2: But again, the, the brilliance of it is, this is a 13 year old technically from 1987. Yes. So it makes sense that she has horrible fashion sense because the 80s were bad, being
0: 13 is bad. Like, it makes sense. But even Judy Greer has a couple of cute outfits for the 2000s. There's this, like, big party sequence, which is, like, one of the most memorable ones in the movie, and she's got these, like, sticks in her hair. And I'm like, what the fuck are these sticks? Also, one of my favorite scenes of this party (laughs) is when this woman named Trish Sackett, who is the editor of the competing fashion magazine called Sparkle she shows up and just talks menacingly like a cartoon villain. Like, she just comes in as like... Yeah. <laughs> oh, if it isn't the two women from Poise. <laughs> I was like, right out of central casting. <laughs> completely. I love that it was the girl from Saved by the Bill the college years. I was like, oh. But I got to talk about this party again because it has one of the biggest scenes in the film, which is where Jenna gets everybody to do the thriller dance. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but... I never wanted to know the Thriller dance because Thriller fucking terrified me.
2: Yeah, it was super goddamn scary. The only, here's what I'll say. I never wanted to know the dance. You know that I don't have that kind of joy in my heart. I don't have dance joy (laughs) in my heart. But what I did on the swing set at my elementary school was committed myself to memorizing the Vincent Price part.
0: Oh, of course you did. Because it's like fucking old English. (laughs) That shit was fire. Give
2: me an old man talking some creepy shit, and I was like, even at seven years old, I was like, you can fuck this fucking claw dance. I want to know what that shit darkness falls across the land, the midnight hours close to that That's my jam.
0: The funk of forty thousand years is actually pretty tight, though. I will say that.
2: I mean, that is my Bumble profile, all of it in its entirety. The funk of forty thousand years,
0: <laughs> and also I love that they got Vincent Price to say. To terrorize y'all's neighborhood. (laughs) Yes!
2: Yes! Vincent Price was a G. That shit (laughs) was great. (laughs) I'm obsessed over that part of the song. Like, you can keep this creepy-ass video that scares the shit out of me with the fucking cat eyes. You can keep Michael Jackson, who we now know is awful. Like, keep all this shit. Give me Vincent Price talking about y'all's neighborhood, and I'm good.
0: Look, and everybody at this party knows this fucking dance immediately. Like, they're just like, Andy Circus knows it. He's like immediately like, yeah, I know this dance. I'm like, wow. I love movie dance sequences.
2: Can we just talk about how it always is weird for me to see Andy Circus in a movie. Yes. And not in like a motion cap role. <laughs> like, it is always weird. Like, when he shows up in a James Bond movie, I'm like, really? Andy Circus? <laughs> like, now I'm just, you broke broken the fourth wall. I don't know why, but he has a face and body that is so perfect for what he primarily does, yeah. which is voice and you know motion capture work, yes. that when I see him trying to act in any other way, I'm just like, oh man, Andy, come on, get out of here.
0: <laughs> he came out from behind the shadows to play a gay magazine editor for 13 Going on 30. Here's another thing I will say about this movie too. So, just to like wrap it up a little bit, you know, what's going to happen. Come on. Do I need to even tell you what's going to happen? She's out here like writing all these wrongs. Yeah. Basically. Jenna Rink, 30 year old Jenna Rink is writing all these wrongs with Maddie, with her parents. She's like, I can't fucking believe I palled around with Lucy for as long as I did. Cause she's a bitch. Like, I can't believe I was as shitty to my secretary as I was. I love her. I want to bring her places. What the fuck? And all this is happening. To a song that's called Why Can't I by the goddess Liz Fair? And I have to say, for me, this song is emblematic. And this song is this movie for me because here's the thing about Liz Fair you're talking to two Gen X bitches. When we knew Liz Fair, we knew the fucking run Liz Fair.
2: Yep. Never said nothing.
0: Yeah. This movie brought. Why can't I? Which is where Liz Fair decided to make some fucking money for once and was like, fuck it, I'm gonna be Avril Lavigne or I'm gonna do like an Avril Lavigne type pop song. I was fucking shocked when it came out. Like, I was like, yeah. wow, I can't fucking believe it. But also now, after so much time has passed and I've read <laughs> Liz Fair's autobiography and I was like, okay, now shit, it makes sense. Like, this movie is the song and this song is this movie for me. So,
2: oh, I love that.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, look. At the end of the day, this movie is a comfort film for me. I've watched it again. I won't say 20 times, but it's in the high teens. (laughs) Cause of death is chicness, I'll have you know. Fashion suicide is all I'll have to say for the rest of this episode. I don't know what else to say other than a great film. It definitely will make you pine for the boy that you had lived next door to in middle school who was cool as shit and you completely fucked it up. Definitely. And you need to fix it immediately.
2: I mean, maybe if you were me and again, go back in our archives and figure this out, maybe you were blasting jazz out of your window and (laughs) freaking out your neighborhood (laughs) and still not getting that guy. (laughs) But it does. (laughs) This movie brought me right back to being so awkward. And so unsteady in who I was. And it's, I think that's the terrifying thing of this movie. Like, I i don't know if this makes sense, but I liked that I didn't like Jenna. Like, I liked that I didn't like the young yeah. kid character because I was like, oh my God, like, yeah. thank God I'm a person who doesn't make decisions like that. And it's so heartbreaking to see kids go through yeah. life and make these mistakes, but they have to, they have to learn somehow. I would be a great mom. I'm like, yeah, you got to learn somehow, make those mistakes. But <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. I like that it didn't, it made me sympathetic towards her in a very different way than I usually am in these movies. Yeah. While also bringing me back to a time in my life when I was just like a very awkward, insecure person who was fully on the brink of making a horrible, life-altering decision at every moment. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm glad that we got to watch it in the context of this podcast because it's like, it's one of these movies that I was like, wow, how am I going to talk about this movie in any kind of way? I only watch it, you know, on TV at home. It's so comforting. Like I know all the beats yeah, and then have to have to explain it for people who may not have seen it. I'm like, come on, who hasn't seen this movie? Right. But people have it. And I listen it's playing literally 24 hours a day on some cable channel. So check it out there. And, you know, you, you get to see a lot of like pre-Marvel stars, like not just yeah. Brie Larson, but Mark Ruffalo, as we know. And I will now see Jennifer Garner in another movie, maybe.
2: Give her a shot. Maybe watch <laughs> Alias. Watch. <laughs> She's like a famous person. I'm like, What? She's great in this movie. And that's, that's the other, I think the casting in this movie was great because she does play this very adorable adult. Right. Which I think if you're going to be a 13 year old and a get out of my arm situation, that helps to be like super adorable. And she plays that very well. Yeah. But yeah, give it a shot.
0: Don't be too cool for this movie. I'll just say that. No. It's it's actually really fun to watch. Speaking of. Speaking
2: of, my pick for our theme of get out of my arms was released in 1988 it was directed by penny marshall and written by gary ross and ann spielberg and the
0: movie is
1: big i turned into a grown-up mom i made this wish on a machine
0: and it turned me into a grown-up now what get a job I cannot get a job i did it i said it i stole your mama's credit <laughs> Suck exactly
2: in the Times. These kids are too cool for me. I fucking love this movie. This is also, for me, the movie that like every time it's on, I'm going to watch it. Totally. It's kind of strange because like when this movie was released in 1988, you don't know when you're a kid that like these movies are going to be impactful and become classics for you in your own life, but also become classics in general. Yeah. And it really is a terrifyingly funny movie that holds up. Yeah in a lot of ways. In one big way, it doesn't, and we're gonna talk about that at the end. Mm. But I do think this movie holds up, and it's it's just interesting. Like the writers, Gary Ross and Ann Spielberg. Ann Spielberg is Steven Spielberg's sister, but she's also a screenwriter. And Gary Ross wrote everything. He's he's written at least one movie that you've seen, even if you don't know who he is. He wrote Pleasantville, <laughs> Sea Biscuit, mm-hmm. a Hunger Games movie, Oceans Eight. Like he's just Very well known, nominated for Academy Awards. He kind of has the kind of writing career that I think is dope, where it's like he can go to the store without you knowing who he is, but he also owns like five castles.
0: (laughs) That's a great place to be. I wish we were that. Yeah,
2: he's like, I can go to Publix at any point and then I can get on a private jet jet and fly to France and go to my seaside
0: villa. God, secretly rich. I love that shit. So good. But... I love this movie. So so
2: just to set it up a little bit, I've never read about the movie before because it's just part of my DNA. <laughs> I've just seen it so many times and grew up with this movie. So I read this article on Mental Floss called 15 Huge Facts About Big, and it was written by Roger Cormier. And there were a couple of things that stood out. You should read the whole thing. All 15 facts are fascinating, but the few that stood out to me, one, a Bunch of huge stars were considered for the role of adult Josh Baskins, which eventually went to Tom Hanks. And each one will freak you out more than the last. So it's like Kevin Costner, Warren Beatty, Dennis Quaid, Gary Busey, and Robert De Niro. Just picture any one of those guys in this Tom Hanks role and tell me how you're feeling right now.
0: Robert De Niro?
2: Oh yeah, he like accepted the role.
0: Robert De Niro shooting silly string out of his fucking nose. I cannot see it. I cannot see it. And now I will be haunted by that forever.
2: (laughs) Robert De Niro and Robert Loggia on a big old piano (laughs) bouncing around.
0: He is not whimsical enough for big. I'm sorry. No. I believe in your talents, Mr. De Niro. I feel like you can transcend genre, but not this. You can't be whimsical.
2: Warren Beatty? Uh Uh-uh. So that that was fascinating to me. Something else that I thought was very interesting is that this movie came out in 1988. In October of 1987, that month kicked off a year where five age-change movies would come out within that year. So by the time they came out in 1988, there were four other age-change movies, like Father Like Son, De Grande, which is Italian, and it's about obviously about Ariana Grande.
0: Uh, <laughs> I thought it was about Nacho Belgrande. Do we not? Okay.
2: It's about Nacho Belgrande. <laughs> Vice versa, and eighteen again. And if you haven't seen eighteen again, do yourself a favor because George Burns changes bodies with Charlie Schlatter, and he is an eighteen-year-old walking around with a cigar with a hunch, and it is the weirdest fucking movie that you're ever going to... I'm going to put it up there like a John Arosky film. Like, it is a weird fucking movie.
0: Goddamn, they would never let George Burns be famous in 2022. I'll just say that. Hell no. <laughs> They'd be like, oh man, sit down. <laughs> sit down, Gramps. That's crazy, though, that all those... There was a proliferation of body age change movies. Yes. That's so weird. The
2: other thing that I thought was fascinating about this movie is that Tom Hanks, in order to kind of portray his scenes in a childlike way, Penny Marshall videotaped David Moscow, who played Josh as a kid, and she taped him acting out all of the adult Josh scenes. And then Tom Hanks just like mimicked all of his mannerisms. So that's why when he's in this role as this adult who's, you know, a 13-year-old trapped in an adult's body, he's acting like the 13-year-old in the movie. Whoa, So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, And I also didn't know this, that I didn't know that Penny Marshall, because of this movie, was the first female director to ever direct a film that made more than $100 million at the box office.
0: Whoa, I didn't know that either, actually.
2: Yeah. So there's a lot. I mean, this movie, again, it's a classic. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Read about these facts. Try to picture fucking Robert De Niro in this role.
0: (laughs) Cannot. Imagine. ruin
2: your own life for a minute by (laughs) picturing that. So my my one sentence synopsis of this film is, never let a horny kid make a wish.
0: (laughs) That's a neck tattoo,
2: if you ask me. That's the essence of this movie. Don't let a horny kid make a wish. I'll go into the summary a little bit more in depth. So Josh Baskin, who again is played by David Moscow as a kid, Tom Hanks as an adult... After he's kind of dejected in front of his crush for being too small to go on a carnival ride, he goes to a wishing machine and asks to be big. And his wish comes true. Even though the machine is unplugged, ooh, it's magical. Mm. Um, And the machine is Zoltar, which is, again, Zoltar machines were made famous by this film. But he, it works. His wish comes true. He wakes up and he's Tom Hanks. And that scene is Hilarious, where he's just like hopping around his house trying to avoid his mom, and he doesn't. He goes and gets his dad's clothes. It's really cute, but then after his mom reports him missing because she sees this adult child, this, this adult in her house, and her kid's missing, mm-hmm. so she reports it, and he realizes he has to hide out somewhere. His best friend helps him hide out in New York City, and they're going to wait for six weeks for this report to come in that will tell them where all all the Zoltar machines are so they can find the one that granted this wish and turn him back into a kid. So in the meantime, while he's waiting during this this six-week period, he finds the perfect job and relationship in New York City within like five fucking minutes. (laughs) (laughs) What I love about this movie is that it really exacerbates how limited your world is when you're a kid. Yeah, Like you only have your bike and your best friend. You don't have money. <laughs> you don't have any idea how the world works. Like you are so limited at that age. And it instantly made me feel so bad for this character. Cause you think like, all right, me at 13, what would I do if I just woke up and couldn't use any of the resources I have in my family or with the people I know to help me eat or <laughs> get by. Yeah, It's just so sad. And he cries. I love that he cries in the hotel room after his buddy leaves, his buddy Billy leaves him.
0: Oh my God, that hotel.
2: Okay, this hotel was life changing for me. This scene <laughs> was life changing for me. It instilled a fear that has not quite gone away. It's worse than the hotel room from fame.
0: Yeah, it's like the hotel from Basket Case meets <laughs> like the St. Mark's Hotel. Like, it's just like, so bad so bad it's
2: so bad there's a scene where he's watching tv and it's like a gunfight kind of tv show and then he turns the tv off and there's gunshots outside and sirens it's just so sad but he's really oh my god just he misses home and it's instantaneous how much he is uncomfortable in this role which again is something i really appreciate about the age change films where they dial into the kid thing a little bit more and it's not just like, hey, everything's great. I'm Judge Reinhold now. Like, (laughs) they really dig into it. See,
0: this is the thing I think that did hit me because I haven't seen this movie in a long time. and It just must be age. This is all I'm saying because I was like, damn, he's missing. Yeah, There's a fantastical element to the film, which is that this, like, unplugged machine has switched him into his adult self. But... Unlike my movie, where it's just kind of this alternate future reality, he's in his present reality. He's just a another person. He's a he's an adult. So he's effectively a missing child yes. to his mom and dad and his school yes. and like everybody in his life is like, where the fuck are is josh that to me was like whoa i guess i just never yeah realized the gravity of that
2: he's a milk carton kid
0: yes like this is a big
2: fucking deal the world is looking for this child yes and you're right like that hit me so hard this time where i'm like wait this is a narrative about a missing kid more so than it is a
0: new adult it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> in that way yeah Wow. There is also,
2: in terms of like the things that, about this movie that were just wild, Elizabeth Perkins is chain smoking throughout. This is a child's <laughs> movie. She is never without a cigarette in her hand, just like nonstop smoking, which is just such an 80s move. I don't know, if that stood out to me as well. Cause I'm like, you know, she's around a kid, even though he does, she doesn't know he's a kid. It just, yeah, just hit me a Ooh. little bit. There are lots of 90s Fox TV parents in this movie. Yes, Uh, The dad from Beverly Hills 90210 and the mom from that 70s show. So look for those little cameos. Mm -hmm. And I also really love that they have him working at a toy company. And it's kind of funny how he gets like a raise. He starts out in you know, the data entry just because he's a kid who plays computer games and knows how to type. Mm -hmm. But then he very quickly gets a raise and a new position as the vice president of product development because he actually has good ideas about what kids want from their toys. Yeah. So I just thought that was very, very age appropriate and cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, this, this movie sets up a lot, I think, for future generations where it's like first of all the idea that you could just land your dream job of playing with toys all day and then you impress the head of the company and then he just immediately makes you a vp (laughs) like there are people that think that now they, there are people on Twitter right now being like, oh, I can't wait to achieve my dream of like working at, you know, a fucking toy company or Nintendo or, you know, somewhere and then I'm just going to become a VP.
2: Completely. No, no work. Just like I'll move up. <laughs> Somebody will see how great I am and I'll just get that job.
0: This movie is really setting it up for future fucking kids who have like no concept of hard work and how to live, but whatever. <laughs> the other thing, too, that really like struck me is his apartment. I, I wasn't sure if you're going to talk about his apartment.
2: We're going to talk about that apartment. There are a couple of things about the apartment that really stood out to me this time. First of all, I didn't realize that he rents everything in it.
0: Oh, I didn't know that either. Okay.
2: Yeah. like So when they show up with all of his stuff, and this is, a, this is an, a, an apartment that is absolutely the apartment you would design if you are a 13-year-old and you have an apartment somehow. Like, it is just wall-to-wall toys and fun and trampolines and Pepsi machines and, like, bunk beds. It is mayhem in there. And everything's rented because he's getting this check. Like, he's getting paid to be vice president of this company. And of course, that's what he's going to do with his money. Like, that's how that famous scene, you know, that very well-known scene from the movie of, you know, Tom Hanks and Billy sitting down in his hotel room, playing with a silly string and eating pizza. Like, that's what he does with his first paycheck is he buys as much pizza and candy and soda as he can. And he buys junk and games. So when he has the opportunity to, like, outfit an apartment,
0: he does the same thing. (laughs) I know I love that that part where he gets his first paycheck and he's like $187 (laughs) like he flips the fuck out. It's like that that moment of my movie where she talks about the cruise. It's just that, like that is a total little kid thought where you're like, holy shit, $100. At $87, I'm a millionaire.
2: $100 is huge when you're a little kid. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. And I love it. The other thing about this apartment is that it's like this classic loft style apartment that's just beautiful, big windows. And like, you have to suspend this belief because when you're our age and you see shit like that, like, it's not fun to be like, oh, God, that apartment would probably costs a million
0: dollars. And I was like, what's the rent on that apartment?
2: Oh, God. Easily $40,000 a
0: month. I bet.
2: (laughs) Easily. But I love that, again, they kept it cool in that it was like the kid's version of what that apartment would be. And there are definitely, when you're looking at a lot of age change, get out of my arms movies, (laughs) there are definitely some classic moves that I think didn't necessarily start with this movie, but were definitely like really heightened with this movie. So you have to freak out your mom and dad. You have to have a best friend with you. Yes. You have to teach some uptight adult how to have fun again. Yes. <laughs> you have to take a limo through a city and stand up through the roof, which happens in both of our movies.
0: Absolutely, 100%.
2: And only nerds get to have these, like, Freaky Friday, vice versa moments. It's never a cool, popular kid who, was like, who was like, wakes up in somebody else's arms.
0: Yes. Well, because they love their arms.
2: They love their life. They
0: love their own arms. They don't want... It. They're, like... I like my arms. I don't want to get into anybody's arms.
2: Yeah. Like, we don't need this. Yeah. I don't need to warp into someone else's arms. But yeah, <laughs> so these are like some, some classic things that in this movie, I think, were definitely heightened. Yeah. And I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's I would kind of love to see the flip side version of this movie where it's like someone who warps into their adult life. And they're just, like, single and hate their job. And it just never gets fun. Like, maybe there's one night of accidental drunkenness with a couple of friends, but then the next day they wake up and they just have a sprained ankle and they don't know how. Like, it's just, like, a real (laughs) adult, (laughs) like, slog. And it will make, this movie will make no money and nobody will see it. But I would love to see that version of the Age Change movie. Now, here's the part of the movie that most people have started to talk about In the modern age, Mm. there is a scene where Josh, adult Josh and Susan have sex. We don't see the sex. We see him touch her boob and then he's just super happy the next day. So the implication is that they have boned. So what a lot of people talk about in the, again, the modern parlance is is this a movie about this adult woman taking advantage of a 13-year-old boy? And I'll I'll even say this, in that Mental Floss article that I read and the couple of things I read, Penny Marshall had said to, like, Wing Winger, somebody was trying to convince her to make the Josh role a woman. And Penny Marshall was like, no, because there's no way to not make it creepy that, like, a 13-year-old girl is dating a 35-year-old man. But somehow, that same rule did not apply for this Josh Baskin role. So... When I first started watching this movie as a kid, I was just kind of like, they did it like they're adults and they did it. Now I'm looking at it with fresh eyes and I'm like, wait a minute. He did. And he didn't tell her before they phoned that he was actually a 13 year old. He told her after she didn't believe him. And then he had to prove it to her. So here's my question. That is now part of the conversation when people talk about this movie. So my question is, what did Susan think was going on with this guy? If she didn't think he was a 13 year old in somebody else's arms. Like what did she think was happening with these with this dude? Cuz like did she think he was just like effervescent? Like he's acting like a fucking imbecile throughout most of the film.
0: <laughs> I mean, I kind of think that's what she thought. Look, I feel like we know guys are age that act exactly like Josh at 13. Like present day, present day. Like Yeah, this is real. There are guys that I know that run around town, skateboarding, playing video games, shooting silly string, eating pizza, and playing with dinosaur toys. Right now. They have action figures. In my 40s, I know a guy like that. At least one, if not four or five, okay? (laughs) So that, to me, was immediately like, okay, well, maybe (laughs) this movie also set up an archetype for later. Right. Like... I mean, come on. We both used to live in L.A. I think we know guys like this, right? And she makes this allowance for him.
2: You're right. Like She just makes the allowance because he, in her eyes, he's very nice to her.
0: Right. But see, it's a stretch for me to think that she would have stuck with it. I mean, come on. She's the cigarette-smoking, you know, lady of the office. She's a high-power 80s bitch. Yeah, and I feel like after the first date, where she's like, yo, this guy's weird. She would have been out. I don't think she would have stuck with it. She definitely would have never called him again after she was forced to sleep in a football shirt on the bottom bunk of a bunk bed. She would have definitely been gone after that.
2: Yeah, I think there's like several moments where she would not have hung out in real life (laughs) with this dude. Yes, (laughs) Several moments. They're playing, again, they're playing for laughs in the film. Yeah. But if we're going to go down that road of, did this adult woman sleep with this 13-year-old child, (laughs) we have to consider all of these moments. Yeah. Because even if that's not her first thought, like, let's say, you know, you meet this guy, like, you know, your friend who's skateboarding and silly stringing and, you know, eating pizza and having action figures and he's in his late 40s. You meet that guy. My first thought isn't, oh, he's a 13-year-old trapped in somebody else's arms. My first thought is this is an underdeveloped adult male <laughs> I don't want to hang out with again. So yeah, I, I guess I'm just kind of turning this a little bit away from the sex angle and more towards like, Susan, as the adult, what did she think was happening here?
0: Yeah, to me, I got to be honest with you, the next day part, right, where he comes to the office all smiling. I don't know if I necessarily thought they actually did it, if you will. Oh. I don't know if I thought that. And this is, uh, again, I haven't seen it in a very long time, but this time I was like, I don't really know what happened. It's like a big TBD, right? However, towards the end of the film, where she knows, I think effectively, knows now what's going on, and she's still like, yo, what's up? Like, are we still doing this or what? Are you gonna like go back to your old self and go back to your family and all this shit? Like, that to me feels so crazy. Like, where I'm like, Okay, she fully well knows what's going on now.
2: Yes, and she's like, keep my number. (laughs) Keep my number. I almost fell out. I was like, yo,
0: (laughs) that is fucked up, okay?
2: (laughs) Like, I know dating is hard, but goddamn, sis, like, you can't be trolling a middle school and be like, seven years, look me up. You can't do it. You just found out this child 13. Give it up. Give up the dream. Walk out of his life and directly into a therapist's office and never leave. Just move in with a therapist.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's so many questions. So many questions about that now. Uh, when I saw this as a kid, I definitely didn't get it. I was like, I oh, don't know. this seems totally above board to me. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> but now I'm like, hmm, this is some crazy shit. A little of this is a little crazy. You know? And that's, I feel like that happens
2: to me a lot when I watch the movies of my youth now, where I'm like, damn, y'all weren't paying attention to what we were watching at all. (laughs) (laughs) Like anything goes. Because it wasn't like it was a more innocent time. It was just like more shit slid by.
0: (laughs) A lot of weird storylines to get through this film. And then you're like, wait a minute. That's weird, actually. (laughs) Focus on the big piano. Ignore the chain smoking, high powered
2: 80s office bitch who's trying to mac on this kid. I do think this movie holds up, in a lot, even though it raises a lot of questions, sure. it also totally holds up in the age change category. Yeah, because it it provides that realness. Like again, you wake up and you don't recognize who you are, and in a philosophical sense, that you know plays into a lot of adults who wake up and they're like, "Who am I? I used to be so cool and fun, or whatever. I'm exactly who I was at 13. I'm, I'm the same bitch. But I know a lot of people are like, "Oh my God! Like I used to be so cool and fun." You know, they kind of want to explore that. But yeah, in that philosophical sense, it makes for an interesting movie. But I think it also makes for... It's just kind of a good, fun kids movie of like... Because again, there's so many moves in this film that are... They feel very real to me. Yeah. And they're exploring something here in the age change category that isn't pure fun. Like they're digging into how lonely yeah. and sad and uncertain life can be when you're 13. And how sometimes it doesn't even go away when you're 30.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. I have to say, like, we have done so many Tom Hanks movies on this podcast at this point. (laughs) We really have! But it is for good reason. It's like, when I watched this movie again, I was like, he is so fucking charming. Like, who is more charming than Tom Hanks? Like, it was definitely, like, many moments with Billy, his friend, the actor, Jared Rushton, I think is his name. Yeah. Yeah where the two of them were, like, running around town together, that whole sequence of them running around town together, of them, like, you know, going to the Yankees game. My hormones and my, like, (laughs) body parts that want a child, like, it's a very, very small percentage left in the body, was, like, aching. I was like, oh, my God, look at this, like, man with his son. Like, that's kind of what it reminded (laughs) me of, where I was like, He is so good with this kid. Like Tom Hanks, the adult actor, is so good with this child actor. Yeah. I wish he was my husband, I wish this was my child. Like I was having a moment, like my hormones were going crazy. I I don't (laughs) want kids, I don't want a husband. I'm like, yo, all of a sudden everything's upside down by watching this montage sequence. This simple montage sequence.
2: He's a sneaky agent, that Tom Hanks.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) You're watching a funny movie, laughing your ass off, and then you're like, oh my God, I want a baby.
0: I know, couldn't be more charming. I mean, just that entire montage sequence was so fun to watch.
2: So good. And you know what I really like too, like speaking of him with the kids, I really love this kid relationship with the best friend because Billy walks around like he owns the place. Like he is not doing that little cowering, like I'm just a kid in an office in New York City. He busts in the door and he's like, I want to see my friend Josh. And then he just like walks in (laughs) and he just like carries that attitude throughout the movie. It is hilarious.
0: Yeah, I love, I mean, we've talked about this before. Like, well, I think we talked about this with River's Edge or, you know, like I love a scrappy fucking kid like a kid in yes. new york city that's like hey <laughs> catching cabs being like i'm walking here leave me you know like his that kind of guy like his friend is that kind of like scrappy dude i just love that i love that so much it's a great movie it'll make you think yeah
2: it's a great one to rewatch. it's charming as fuck it's got again classic moments that I think informed this movie was so huge yeah no pun intended uh-huh. that I think it really informed a lot of the age change movies that came after it
0: absolutely I think honestly like we couldn't have picked two better movies because they're kind of like perfect yeah for each other like I said not just because they're both featuring characters who are 13 that become 30 years old but also they're kind of like they kind of take place in the same time you know and Honestly, like, both Jennifer Garner and Tom Hanks are, like, two very likable, charming actors, and they do a great job with, like, doing the whole, like, I have to pretend to be a kid even though I'm an adult thing. That can be really clunky and, like, weird, but they kind of do it and it's charming. So, hey, that's great. That's a testament to their talent, right?
2: It truly is. It truly is. And, you know, I really think it's time for an age-change, get-out-of-my-arms movie where some kid turns into Idris Elba. Let's just see Idris Elba being like, I don't know how to do anything. (laughs) But I'm like, a
0: hot British dude. Listen, they could do so many of these movies. They could do an Idris Elba one. They could do one with Statham. They could have like pretty much any kid jump into a british action movie stars body we would be there opening night i would be there every night <laughs> like, <laughs> let's see what happens <sighs> holy shit you wake up in your fucking
2: idris elba uh uh-uh. uh i'm watching that movie 800 times oh my
0: god well Listen, I'm so glad we salvaged this theme. It was so fun. Literally, the term get out of my arms makes me laugh every time <laughs> we have said it and had and had said it before. And I'm just so glad that we got to talk about these films because they're so fun to watch. Just it was a blast. It was a blast to watch both.
2: Me too. I loved it. I loved it. And we are um, we're taking off next week, but there is gonna be a bonus episode on Thursday. Mm -hmm. So on March 24th, there will be a bonus episode, but we'll be back with a new episode on the 29th. And do you want to tell them what those movies are?
0: Yes. Your movies for the 29th are Psycho from 1998 and Psycho from 1960.
2: I mean, guess the theme, but also if you've been listening to the podcast, you know this theme, but also guess, maybe you don't, maybe you don't, maybe we switched it up on you. (laughs)
0: Well, listen, if you want to talk about your body switch moment, maybe you got some wishing powder sprinkled on you. Maybe you saw a <laughs> Zoltar machine. Email us. We're at I saw what did pot at gmail.com.
2: Maybe you saw a don't mess with the Zohar machine and turned <laughs> into Adam Sandler.
0: <laughs> Zohan. <laughs> Zohan. Zoltan Dracula. Dracula dog from hell. Is that the name of the movie? There's so many. There's
2: so many that you can morph into. But. If you want to find us on our social media, we are at I Saw Pod on Instagram and Twitter.
0: Well, if you're looking for merch, you came to the right place if you're at the Exactly Right Shop exactlyrightmedia.com.
2: <laughs> and if you want even more from us, we have a whole bunch of bonus episodes up at Stitcher Premium exclusively. And you can still use the promo code SAW for a free month. We've got like 20 bonus episodes almost up in there.
0: Dude, they're so fun. Every time I, like, I'm reminded of the bonus, I'm like, it's such a fun place for us to, like, answer questions and, like, hang out. Y'all are crazy. Like, y'all send us crazy stuff, and we love, like, reading them. Because we we don't really read them very much before uh, we just sort of browse through them. But then when we actually read them on air, we're, like, genuinely surprised about what y'all have to say. It's so funny. Yeah.
2: You definitely throw some
0: throw some
2: stuff some surprises in there but this was so fun
0: yeah this was so fun thank you again Danielle for deciding to stay your age as opposed to I don't know switching your body when you were 13 because then we wouldn't have done this podcast is all I'm saying we wouldn't
2: have done it but but it's not too late for us to jump into the arms of like an 80 year old we can still do an age change just like, oh God, I'm on dialysis or whatever.
0: I would love to be George Burns. Can I jump into George Burns' bunny?
2: It's the only way I'll accept it from you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Alexis Amorosi. Our engineer is Ryo Baum. Our theme song is by Tom Breifogel. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgareth, and Danielle Kramer. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at I You can email us at I What You Did Pod at Gmail. And please don't forget to listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.